The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. A lovely day here at the ballpark as the Twins and the Blue Jays wrap up this four-game series. Kind of a hot, steamy week, but now really a good feel of fall in the air here today as the Twins and Toronto play one more time here in 2017. I'm Corey Provis. Welcome to the show. You can reach us in two ways, by email, inside twins at twinsbaseball.com or on Twitter, Hashtag Inside Twins and our guest on our Sunday program, the Twins Assistant GM and Team Vice President. We say good afternoon to Rob Anthony. How are you? I'm well, Corey. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Two weeks ago, entering play today, and that that saying that is it a big game? Well, it's it's a big game because it's the next one. However, with one game up on the Angels now in the wild card race, more emphasis on the importance of the game today. Yeah, absolutely. Every game. Uh has a lot of meaning, and that's what you strive for is to play meaningful games in September. We did it a few years ago, and it's fun to be doing it again this year. What's different in 17 compared to 15? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, actually, I think we are dealing with a lot of young players that we've seen come of age the last couple months, and it's really fun to see how they react under these situations. I think our pitching staff, uh, bullpen and starters, have really risen to the occasion uh, in the last month, month and a half to kind of get us in this situation. You know, we've, we've been resilient, and that's similar to 15, uh, but we haven't had any long losing streaks. We've kind of nipped that to stay in contention. And like 15, uh, there isn't anyone running away with it. So we're able to kind of stay in it, even though we are, I think, only five games over 500 right now. If we had a conversation during spring training, let's go back to March, and we said, all right, five, six months from now, the bullpen's going to look like Hildenberger, back in, Alan Buznitz back in, guys that were not even on the 40-man roster, guys who would be thrown into the fire here to get big outs. Would you have been surprised? No, I would ask, what about John Curtis and what about Nick Birdie? Because we were hoping that they would be along with that group, and we knew that wave was coming. Um, unfortunately, Birdie had the, the season-ending injury, and John Curtis has, has come along as we had hoped. So uh, we're not surprised by those guys contributing, and um, I think that's exciting because now we have some bullpen arms that are along with our position players that are young that are going to grow together and, and hopefully be the, the core of this nucleus uh, moving forward. Go back to past conversations we've had about the future of this bullpen, and power is the word that we have discussed often, and the names have been birdied. They're, you know, Jake Reed, John Curtis, and others. Uh, Boosnitz's name was thrown in there, too, after the trade. But you're you're also getting production now from guys who don't throw – 95, 97, how are they doing it out here? Well, I think uh, it depends on the the pitcher you're talking about. Buznitz and uh, Presley and a few others have the ability to throw to the mid to upper 90s. Uh, but guys like Hildenberger, he relies on deception. He's got a little different angle. He throws strikes. He's very competitive. He's not scared. Um, he's done a really nice job for us. And I think you've seen other guys just kind of step up and rise to the occasion. Curtis looks like a guy who is getting his feet wet in the big leagues, and, and he's uh, he had a very good first outing, and he's, he's had some challenges. But uh, you can see the, the, the power in the arm and the power in the slider, and he has an out pitch, and, 
and those are the things that you kind of get excited about. Yeah, certainly do. And we'll take a break, come back. A lot to get to on our show today. We'll get into Kyle Gibson, who has been throwing the ball better than anybody right now on his twin staff. He'll start game four. Also get an update on the status of Miguel Sano. More of our Sunday program. Rob Anthony is our guest. Inside Twins rolls on next on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Twins and the Blue Jays game four coming up about an hour from now. This program until 1230, Chris standing by with a pregame show. And then it's Gibson for the Twins and Joe Biagini. Uh, the Twins saw the right-hander not too long ago at Rogers Center had success as he uh, failed to go four innings, gave up five runs, and hopefully more of the same today. As for Kyle Gibson, and let's start there, Rob, throwing the ball by far the best he has all season long. Is it simply that he's attacking, that he's throwing more strikes than he was in April and May? I would say it probably is, and I think a lot of that is he had a good outing, and he backed it up with another one, and now he's had five straight, and he's pitching with confidence. He's attacking hitters. He's getting ahead rather than nibbling and trying to get him to chase. He's trusting his stuff, and, and hopefully he continues to do that because he certainly has the pitches and the ability. The, the word nibble has always been attached to him, right? And that's something that must irritate him. And it's surprising that it's taken this long to kind of shed, you know, not a good label to have. Yeah, it's, it's really a matter of trying to be too fine, trying to make the perfect pitch. If I throw this down and in, he's going to swing and I'm going to get a ground out. He throws it down and in, the batter takes it. Now he's behind in the count. Now he's 2-0 in the count. And now what do I do? He's going to be sitting on a fastball. You go to a slider, it breaks outside, you're 3-0. You start getting in your own head instead of just saying, if I locate my fastball where I want to, I'm fine. If I throw my slider where I want to, he can't hurt me. And I think he's kind of starting to believe and understand and realize. And that's part of the maturation process. Some guys get it quickly. Some guys, it, it, you know, they go through stretches, and he's had good stretches in his career, but he hasn't been able to sustain that. So hopefully he can, and hopefully maybe he's getting over the hump, but you take it one start at a time. Fans who listened to the show before we began Inside Twins, the Paul Mauter show with Chris and Jack and Paul at the time, wasn't sure if Jason Castro would be good to go today. The answer is yes, that Castro uh, came out physically okay despite a couple of foul balls he took uh, near his shoulder and clavicle last night. With Gibson's run, how much credit goes to Castro's defensive ability? Oh, I think throughout the year, not only Gibson, but other pitchers have had the confidence that what Castro puts down or Jimenez puts down, they know that they've done the homework, they've studied, they've worked together, they've talked about what they want to do with every hitter, and so they're on the same page, and when that's the right pitch to call, I think as you've seen as the season's gone on, there's very few shakeoffs because they're on the same page, and I think having veteran Catchers who have done the work, there's just a trust level between the pitcher and catcher that uh, is very, very important. The fatigue that Jose Barrios admitted that he's kind of fighting right now, is it normal for a guy of his youth and, and overall an experience at this level? It is, and it's not because he wasn't prepared. It's not because he's never thrown this many innings. He works very hard in the off season. I think the WBC, he started and cranked up earlier than maybe he would have. And you kind of knew that that could be an impact later in the season. And he, you know, his his being a little bit tired at this point is understandable. I think he works off of adrenaline, as maybe some other guys are as well. Uh, but, no, it's not it's not a big shock. But he also has done a nice job, as he did his last start, uh, trying to fight through that. I want to get back to fatigue in a moment. But you just said WBC, and that triggered a question about Hector Santiago. 
He was also part of the WBC uh, this past spring. The work he did offseason to prepare for that, any correlation with the injury that he's currently you know, battling through right now? It's really hard to tell, and I, I don't think it's fair to say, yeah, it's WBC-related. He had never spent a day on the disabled list in his major league career until this season, and so... You know, it might just be a matter of some things caught up to him, some things were bothering him. He's the type of guy that uh, he could have a little bit of a sore shoulder. He's going to try and pitch through it, and sometimes that makes it worse. But if you've never been on the DL, you he's probably done that in the past and been able to get away with it. So I'm not sure you can really pinpoint exactly what happened, and sometimes you only have so many bullets before some things start breaking down for pitchers. I saw Hector in the clubhouse a few days ago, and I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. I feel great, except I can't throw the ball more than 86 miles an hour. Is this season officially over? I would say yes. And and I don't think at this point there's no place to go pitch. Um, hopefully we get Instructional League up and running this next week, but I don't think it would even be fair to, to him or, or to his teammates to throw a guy out there when you're just not sure what you're going to get from him in this situation. Um, but, you know, Phil Hughes went through some of that same frustration. He'd go out there and he'd be 91, 92, and all of a sudden he's 87, and he doesn't know why his shoulder's tired, and it was thoracic outlet syndrome. We're, taking, we're doing all the tests. He's seen a doctor for his back. He's done tests on his shoulder and rib and everything else just to try and rule everything out and find out what's causing the problem. So thoracic hasn't been ruled out, though, for Santiago yet? No, not at this point. And I know he's seen some specialists, but uh, to my knowledge, they have not ruled it out. But I don't think they've also found anything that said, yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. More of our Sunday program with Rob Anthony next at your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Provis back with Rob Anthony. Let's go back to, to fatigue and because we got off that for a moment. How closely do you and Derek and Thad pay attention to what players are doing now, whether it's starters in between starts, position players uh, that are accumulating you know, 100 at-bats, maybe more than they've had in the past, are you closely following guys and their workout programs at this point of the season? We do, and we expect, you know, Perry Castellano will probably scale back a little bit and buck with his wrist. He's not taking early BP. Sometimes he's not even taking regular BP, and you try and minimize the swings and, and give guys a little bit of a breather. I think Paul's done a fantastic job with Joe Maurer this year, giving him breaks when he knows you know, there have been times when Joe's wanted to be in the lineup, and Paul said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to give you the day anyway. We got tomorrow off. It gives you two days, and he's been healthy all this all season, and you've seen the production. I mean, he's he's back to hitting 300. He's got a high on base percentage. He's doing all the things that, that we've come to expect from Joe Maurer, and I think he's had a really good year. He's had a gold glove year at first base for me, and I think he's he's – you would love to be able to give Dozier a day off here and there. You'd love to give Planco a day off here and there. But when you're in a tight race like this, it also feels like, are you hurting the team? Can you afford to do that? Can you afford to take them out of the lineup when you already have somebody like Sano and his bat not in the lineup? That's a good segue to Miguel. And, and Paul, on the pregame show yesterday, Rob, was, was pretty candid that he said, look, the optimism that he once had about Miguel's return has wavered a little bit now that he's seen him with his own two eyes during this homestand. From your seat, is Miguel Sano going to return this season? Well, I think that's the approach Paul should take, is don't count on it and then be disappointed and plan for it. If you do, it's a bonus. Um, But with a a bone injury like he has, he has some good days, and then you take the next step, and sometimes he comes back the next day, and it's 
it's a little more sore and, and you need to back off a little bit. So when you take one step forward, one back, you start to get to the point where you're not sure when he's going to be able to get over that hump. He's tried to do different things. He's worked hard. He's done everything we've asked him to do. Uh, but sometimes with those injuries, it just takes some time to heal. And there are some injuries that a player may play through that can't get any worse. Then there are some that, yes, it's painful, and if you do perform, you can do more harm than good. Is Miguel more in that latter column that if he would play you know, tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, because of where the, the, the bone bruise is, that it could be more impactful, that a fracture isn't too far along? Yeah, I think they would. They want to feel comfortable that he can play without further damage, and I think he would be in that latter category where if he played and it became a fracture, um, now you're dealing with a whole other deal and trying to get him healthy for next season, whereas uh, with Byron's injury, we got a break, and it wasn't a fractured hammock, and it was a, a bruise, and he he's playing, and, and he's uncomfortable. He's playing with some pain, and it's basically a situation where it's not going to get worse. He can't hurt himself worse. It's just what he can tolerate, and... Every day he comes in and says he can he can play. Yeah, and says after the game it was a little sore the last few at-bats, but I'm fine. I can go again. Hurricane Irma was a big topic on this show the last couple of weeks. Um, there's still so much to, to clean up, as we know, down in Florida. From a baseball standpoint, have things been ironed out about Instructional League? Will, will that happen? If so, when? Uh, no, they have not been ironed out. Uh, us and Boston, who suffered uh, damage to their ballpark, JetBlue, down the road from us are both in the same situation. Brad Stiles going to talk with their, their minor league director on uh, tomorrow and kind of see what the status is. And it's not just a matter of, you know, getting the playing field in shape and everything else, but we've had emergency responders staying at our academy down there. And uh, the county and the Twins have been very accommodating, trying to do everything we can to try and help Southwest Florida to recover from this. And it's more important to help them in that situation than it is maybe to to get an instructional league in. And if we don't, we can repurpose that money and, and maybe just do some specialized things and have some different programs for different players during the course of the season. And from a baseball standpoint, this is such a small thing in the larger scale, but this would impact who the most? The, the kids going to the fall league? Um, well, it helps to go and get some at-bats before you go to the fall league or, or throw a bullpen or two, but... Uh, as much as anything, it impacts some of the younger players that came in the draft that might not have gone to the GCL because it gives them an opportunity to come to Fort Myers, get get the lay of the land, get used to the program that will be run in spring training so everybody's a little more comfortable when they come into their first spring training next spring. So I think that's probably most impactful. Sometimes you have players who are hurt and you want to get them a few more innings before the end of the year. And some same with some guys that... Uh, some position players who you might want to get a few more at-bats. And in past years, correct me if I'm wrong, the CenturyLink Sports Complex has also been the site for end-of-season organizational meetings and the big meeting where you bring everybody together and kind of go through your team, all the minor league players, and all the other teams throughout the game. Will those still happen, or is that is that fluctuating right now if and when the organizational meetings will take place? I think we will have organizational meetings, but I think it, there's a better chance it may be in January or hmm. some 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 area in that time frame and use it as kind of a kickoff for 2018. And so uh, everybody can kind of, they can do what they need to to get the complex back together and we can get everything kind of situated and, and straightened out. And, you know, we have some, some work to do. It's an unpleasant time of year where we've had to make some changes and we're going to be going through interview processes to replace some scouts and, and uh, some other personnel. So we want to 
give enough time to do that, but also dedicate the time to try and make some good baseball moves and try and improve our club for next year. All right, we'll take our last break, come back, and wrap up Inside Twins next at your home for Twins Baseball. Last two minutes of Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Exciting times for this team, two weeks away from the end of the regular season. Angels did win last night beyond two home runs from Justin Upton, so the wild card race is there. The Indians with uh, their win coupled with the Twins losing last night. Indians did win the Central for the second straight year, so the focus has been on the wild card, and it remains that, Rob, with uh, two weeks to play. And, boy, it's been some closely played games. Yeah, there was the blowout on, on Tuesday night, but you know, Paul said this again today, and I think we should all maybe expect some, some tight games here the, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think the the blowout on the first game of the home stand was exciting, and you felt like it might set the tone a little bit. And we've played the next two. We won on exciting walk-off home runs, and it's been a battle to score runs, you know, and it's kind of the way this game goes. And and I thought last night Estrada pitched extremely well. I mean, he was back and forth. He was locating his fastball. He had us guessing. A lot of weak pop-ups on the infield. I thought he pitched a great game, and and we got beat by a good pitcher on uh, top of his game last night, and and hopefully uh, uh, Gibson comes out and pitches the way he has been, and, and that's in our favor today. And then off to New York for three, then the Tigers for four, off day next Monday in Cleveland, then three with the Tribe, then the Twins are back here for three more to end the regular season yet again with the Tigers. How often do you spend time looking at now, I guess just the Angels, but their schedule ahead? Did you look at things like that? No, I have no idea what their <laughs> schedule ahead is. All I know is that we control our own destiny. If we win our games, then everything else I take a look and, and I count what was good for us and what was bad for us in all the other games. But the only thing that really matters is the outcome of our game. And if we continue to play well and, and win games, we can control our own destiny. Indians go there. They start a three-game series on Tuesday. And Cleveland playing for home field right now with, with the Astros. So even though they've won the division, there's still some some things to play for if you're the Indians. Yeah, and they've been mildly warm lately. <laughs> How about that? Let's let's finish with that. Thirty seconds on on what you witnessed uh, the last three weeks with the Indians winning okay. twenty two in a row. Incredible to com- continue to do that. You already know you're going to make the playoffs. You have a, a lengthy lead, and they come to play every day. And I thought it was very classy when they did lose, and then they bounced right back the next day with another win. All right, good stuff. Rob, thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thanks, Corey. All right, we thank Rob Anthony for being our guest here on our Sunday show. Do not go anywhere. More to come here on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Chris is standing by. Today's pregame show is about four minutes away, and then we'll have game four. Kyle Gibson, 10-10 and 10 for the Twins, and Joe Biagini, a right-hander at 3-10. and 10. Countering for the Blue Jays, Twins won by one on Thursday. The Blue Jays have taken the last two, 4-3, on Friday, and then 7-2 victorious last night. Stay tuned. We have more to come. It's a beautiful day. Big crowd expected. Here at Target Field, we have one last game between the Twins and the Blue Jays. It's coming up shortly right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.